from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It's brand new, season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Money Movers, welcome back to Money Moves, the daily podcast determined to give you the keys to the kingdom of financial stability, wealth, and abundance. Hey, Money Movers, I'm Tanya Sam, and welcome back to Money Moves, the daily podcast determined to give you the keys to the kingdom of financial stability, wealth, and abundance. Today, our guest is a former American football offensive tackle who played for the Buffalo Bills in the NFL. He also did a stint in the CFL. Today, he is a financial planner at Morgan Stanley and helps spread the knowledge of financial literacy to all. Walter, welcome to the show. Hey, Tanya, thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. So, Walter, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. I'm really excited to share with our Money Moves audience more about your journey from football to now managing wealth, which I think is such an incredible transition and one that we don't hear a lot of. We hear a lot of stories of professional athletes who have lost tons of money, made tons of money, started into different entrepreneurship routes, but now you are managing the wealth of many others. That's an incredible story. Yeah, um... It's, uh, it's been great. I enjoy it. Um, managing wealth is something that um, I didn't think about doing growing up because yeah. it was something that I wasn't exposed to. Um, but, you know, when I was in the NFL playing for the Buffalo Bills, they have an internship program. And I majored in finance in school at Western Michigan University where I got my degree in uh, business administration and finance. 
And so I, wanted, I always had an interest in working on Wall Street, but I didn't know in what capacity. And so after my rookie season with the Buffalo Bills, I took an internship with Citigroup Smith Barney in New York City. Wow. With uh, two advisors there, one named Carol Glazier and Rob Schmidt. And those were two advisors that I worked under and they taught me the business of wealth management. And so that generated the interest given, you know, many of my teammates uh, were really high earners. Yeah, really young and high earners. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, the, the NFL plays pretty well. I think today's salary cap for each team is north of 200 million. So that's that's a lot of potential wealth in a room uh, for a market of people that really need financial planning and investment advice. So this is just still, it's a it's an interesting trajectory and I love to talk a little bit more about, so you were played football growing up. I'm sure you were a very disciplined athlete as well. Do you think the two sort of informed each other, you know, being an athlete and then having this long-term goal of being like, I need to pay attention to how I manage my money. Cause it doesn't seem to tie with what the narrative for athletes in um, the NFL is. So I'm curious where this came from. Yeah. So, um, so I actually didn't grow up playing football. Uh, I grew up playing basketball and I didn't start playing football until my senior year of high school. Oh, wow. Uh, so, late yeah, bloomer, so, as they say. Huh? <laughs> a late bloomer. <laughs> a late bloomer. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, started my senior year. Um, but in terms of wealth management, right. So as a rookie in the NFL, um, you know, one of my tasks as a rookie was to go upstairs and get the vets checks, right? The veterans <laughs> on the veteran offensive linemen to pick up the checks, bring it downstairs and pass them out. Wow. Amongst several other amongst several other rookie jobs, like, you know, making sure that we have uh, muffins and donuts for the <laughs> meetings on Fridays and just other menial tasks. Uh, but you know, one of mine was you know going upstairs to get the checks for the vets. So I would come down and uh, pass out the checks to the vets. And one vet said, you know, do you want to take a look at my check? And I was like, no, I don't want to look at your check. That's, you know, that's your business. And he was like, no, nah, I want to motivate you. Wow, so, I love this. I said, I want to motivate you. So I opened up his check and it was like north of 65 grand, right? And we were getting this on a weekly basis. Well, he was getting this on a weekly basis, right? He was motivating me that <laughs> that is what was to come. Yes. Um, and so uh, he took the check and he, you know, put it at the top of his locker. And, um, and I guess he had been collecting checks like in his locker. And, you know, that really opened my eyes to see that, you know, that there's a little bit of financial irresponsibility there, right? To just have your checks sitting in your locker as opposed to being deposited into your bank. So, right. you know, you have an account for it, um, you know, several, several issues. So that was, that was one thing, you know, thinking that, if, if there's one person on my team and there are 32 teams and then there's also other sports as well, how many other guys could be doing this same thing? Um, and you're growing up I'm from Atlanta, I grew up on the west side of Atlanta. Uh, when I was younger, um, just talking about making money, one of my first jobs was a paper board. And I was paper board for- I had Atlanta that job too. Team. It was like- Really? Six, okay. Yeah, in Canada, yeah. it was like six cents of- I was like flyers or circulars. It was like six cents a flyer. <laughs> Wow, that's awesome. It's, it's cool we had that in common. So you had a paper route and in your neighborhood, <laughs> yeah. taught responsibility. Yeah. Right? It's really good at teaching responsibility. Uh, and one thing for me, it allowed me to get some cash flow. And, you know, my dad took me um, to Citizens Trust on Martin Luther King on the West Side and opened up my bank account. And so yes. every week, 
after I got paid from Mr. Ivory, I would go to the bank and deposit my cash. And so, you know, I had a bank account and started to learn about uh, CDs and start to learn about the money market and started to learn about interest. Wow, this is great. Um, this is at a young age. At a really young age, yeah. So just, you know, having that exposure to the financial system through banking uh, was enlightening to me. Um, but not only did um, I have a bank account at Citizens Trust, like my elementary school um, had a bank for students that oh. was started. Uh, I want to. I, I, I feel like Citizens Trust had a part in that as well. Um, but we would, you know, we had an account there, and my mom would, you know, give me my allowance, and then you could go to school and you know go to the bank. I think they had a day that you could come in. So just you know, being exposed to that, I was just really intrigued by that, and you know, wanting to make money. Now, on the flip side, you know, I didn't have my parents weren't investors. Mm-hmm. Right? So they weren't investing in the market. My mom and dad, they both worked. Um, you know, there were six of us in my family, you know, really small home, but uh, humble means, but you know, I didn't miss out on anything. Right? So but, uh, you know, my, with my parents not being investors, like I wasn't exposed to uh, the financial markets. But interesting also for your your growing up experience as a youth, they were at least very cognizant of let's start bank accounts from a young age, yeah, teaching about yeah. in, you know, um, investing from what they could. You know, it might not have been in the big money markets, et cetera, but they were like, hey, we are going to teach you the value of opening up a bank account and saving some money and even getting a job. Yeah, it was yeah, really important. I was, I was a big kid, and so I grew out of... Um, Clothes very quickly. <laughs> I grew out of clothes and shoes really quickly. And my dad was just like, listen, I remember there was one time when like I specifically I was like nine or 10 years old because my foot size grew with my age. Wow. And, you know, we went to the mall, got some new shoes one day and like maybe a week later, the shoes were too small. And my dad was like, I'm not buying you shoes every couple of weeks. So you're going to have to figure this out. <laughs> I mean, this is like such a thing for so many parents. Like they're like, we have to handle clothes and food feeding like boys that just you know have ferocious appetites so it's a lot it's certainly a lot from bbc radio 4 britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip i thought in that moment oh my god we've summoned something from this board this is uncanny usa He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. 
I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Uh, thank God for the limits. Every time I have a, one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So now fast forward. I'm curious. You're in the NFL. Um, you have somewhat of a school background in finance and business. Did you look at this like you could manage your own money or did you start seeking out financial planners to help you better manage your money? Well, so when I came out and when I say came came out of college going into the NFL, I was like in the top 25 in my position. So I was considered um, a late round guy, free agent. Okay. So, you know, late round free agent means like later rounds of the draft or free agency. So the Cleveland Browns brought me in as a priority free agent, meaning that I didn't have to try out during the rookie minicamp. I was signed to a contract before getting there. Um, And with that being said, I didn't have financial advisors and financial planners calling, you know, to work with me because of that, you know, being in that later ranking. Which is interesting. It seems like there's still a niche of opportunity there for financial planners. If you guys are listening, you know, it's not always the number one draft pick. There's money to be managed all the way down the ladder. All the way down. There is. There is. Absolutely. Um, So for me, um, I had uh, a guy that I was training with who actually was a financial advisor. So he would give me tips here and there. uh, But he, he didn't I didn't hire him as my financial advisor. And so, you know, when I went into the league, um, you know, I signed a contract, but I ended up not making the 53-man roster mm-hmm. and being on what's called the practice squad. Mm-hmm. So I did not make the money that was that I signed the contract for. I got a lesser salary, which was still really good at the time for being, you know, 22 years old, right. fresh out of college. Um, thinking today, I think it's well above six figures for, uh, you know, one year. That's a good entry-level job. That's, That's great money. Job. You know, being on the practice roster, but the average, the minimum for rookies is uh, like seven hundred, ten thousand dollars now. And then the guaranteed bonuses for uh, NFL prospects that are drafted range anywhere in the first round from twenty five million dollars guaranteed all the way down to the last you know pick of the seventh round. Wow. I want to say that's probably around one hundred thousand dollars guaranteed. So you get that no matter what if you're drafted. And so you know, usually if that's your first job and that's 
many times your first paycheck, there's a lot of responsibility that Absolutely. comes into, you know, attaining that type of what I call affluence. Now, some, it ends up being wealth, but for the majority, it's kind of an introduction into affluence, right? You have some money in the bank, you can pay your bills on time, you got money that you can save and think about, you know, life beyond football. Right. Uh, but, but more importantly, I think, um, in terms of planning and looking at your finances, is think, I'm not... You know, the average career is three and a half years. So three I'm not and a half years is not that long. So you need to be yeah. very careful and cautious about how you're going to manage that nest egg. Yeah, you have to be diligent. And as you say, yeah, it's a nest egg. So you got to be diligent with your planning, making sure that you live below your means uh, and making sure that you're thinking about the end at the beginning, right? Especially knowing that, you know, your only guarantee if you get drafted is that signing bonus. And, right. you know, you can get your, um, you can get your, you know, some some contracts are guaranteed, but, you know, you can, at any time, you, you can be released from your team for a number of reasons. So, so when you look to- back on that, Walter, are there specific things that you would have done differently in terms of managing your finances? Would you have hired someone right out the gate to manage your finances? Is there some, you know, major pitfalls contractually that you stumbled across? Uh, yeah, had I known, I definitely would have hired a financial advisor uh, prior to signing my contract so that I had some, you know, I had an agent that explained stuff to me, but just, you know, having a financial advisor in terms of making sure to set up a budget, um, you know, making sure that I understood that at the time, you, players didn't get paid during the off season. So you would get paid one seventeenth of your contract from September to December. They've since changed that within the past couple of years. Now they pay over the course of either 34 or 36 weeks. Uh, But when I was playing, you only got paid during the season. And then in in the postseason, there were bonuses that, you know, guys would get there on the team. And then some guys had incentives in their contracts where they would get bonuses um, or some, some players had, uh, bonuses that paid out in the second part of the season oh, wow. or, you know, after the season, just depending upon like a team's cap space during that year and how they're structuring their cash flow uh, on a corporate side from the team level. What Go is ahead. also super interesting to me is like people really sometimes I think underestimate like sports is a business. It's a business. It generates, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue. And so both sides are doing this business dance. And so even some of the points that you mentioned here, how would an early stage athlete know that? Is that something that they trust their manager to get them the best deal for? Should it be someone that, you know, it's their coach or is it again, their financial advisor? Yeah. So um, I think it's a collaborative effort, right? That, that comes in one, the agent is responsible for contracts, right? Getting, you know, players contracts and making sure that they understand that and getting them the best deal uh for their clients um financial advisors we help with planning uh investments long term uh, making sure that you have the correct amount of insurance coverage um making sure that you understand what your cash flow is and then helping them to under to helping them to create a budget so that they can have a savings goal for the end of the season for the end of their contract uh, and then also making sure to have uh, a really good CPA, CPA, certified CPA, public right. accountant, so that you understand your taxes. Um, 
you know, there are many, you know, I don't give tax or legal advice, but that's, it's really important that athletes understand how much is being withheld from their checks during the season for federal, state, and local taxes, how much is being held for uh, Medicare, uh, how much money is going into their retirement accounts, mm. and uh, having a financial advisor that can explain to you what the retirement, what your benefit package is with the NFL, um, and the decisions that you can make within your 401k, right? Having someone explain that to them, because many times these guys, it's their first job, right? Blue yeah. chip athletes growing up, uh, many of them, their job was to be an athlete. So, you know, they're in a position now, uh, especially with the new name, image, and likeness uh, laws where players can get compensated for their own brand going yeah. into college. Um, now you're coming out of high school and your first job is not in um, an employee, you're an employer. And that was such a a game changer. I think, you know, a lot of people rallied um, and we're talking the name, likeness and image. Um, You know, a lot of people rallied for that because college athletes, there's big superstars, they're being approached and they're being tempted into Mm -hmm. these deals. And so to legalize that and actually allow them to make money off of it, no matter what the age, I think is is a real game changer for a lot of these athletes. But how do they manage it? Yeah. Yeah, it is a game changer. And there's, there are pros and cons to name, image, and likeness. Uh, but, you know, I, I will focus on the pros of it uh, being one of the things that is the great equalizer in sports. And I'm saying equalizer in terms of um, in terms of male, females being compensated, right? There are tons of female athletes yep. that are, you know, making money on their name, image, and likeness, and they're being highlighted for their accolades as student athletes. And I just, I think that's wonderful. Um, you know, in fact, you know, as they started NIL and um, and I would do some podcasts talking about NIL and, you know, some financial planning things. And being that the majority of the clients that I work with are in football and basketball. Yes. You know, my first NIL uh, client was actually a track and field athlete. So that was oh. you know, a female track and field athlete at that. So, um, you know, and they're being really diligent about making sure that they understand you know, what the implications are for the money that they're making, right? And understanding that there are tax implications as well. So, you know, getting an advisor uh, can help answer a lot of questions so that you uh, don't have any penalties or anything for not paying your taxes. Absolutely. Knowing that you have to pay taxes on it because, you know, endorsement incomes is, you know, they're their own entity. So they're creating businesses, whether it be a sole proprietorship or a partnership or uh, they're creating S corps or C corps. And, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. And if this is your... Uh, first time managing something of that magnitude, you know, especially coming out of high school. Especially coming out of high school. I mean, coming out of high school, the most biggest things we were trying to figure out was how to just get into college. And now they're like almost, you know, self-made entrepreneurs on top of being disciplined, disciplined athletes. It's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. Well, one thing you, and I think you asked this question at the beginning, there's so many ancillary traits and attributes that come with being an athlete that are transferable into business. Yes. Uh, having the ability to highly focus on something, all right, and being determined, that's helpful. Having a competitive spirit and nature is really helpful as an athlete that translates well into business. Uh, and then also the ability to sacrifice, right? As an athlete, especially an elite athlete, you have to sacrifice being up at night so Absolutely. You can go to bed and get up in the morning and make those 5 a.m. runs. 
Um, and it's your own self-determination and discipline that I think that really makes the best athletes, you know, successful. And absolutely. the way that transfers to entrepreneurship, I think, is so phenomenal. And we've seen so much more of that now that I think we've empowered our athletes to really realize they are a business. Um, Walter, I am so excited for you to have been here today. And I want to close out by asking you, because we're going to have you come back for another deep dive. We want to go deeper into, you know, what it means to be a financial planner, how you built your business as well. But I want to know what's coming up for the future of you. Any big career changes, any big things that we need to know as we end this episode and move into our deep dive? Uh, so no, I don't have any big career changes. Um, but I will say that uh, I feel I have a book in me. Um, so I'm working, I'm going to work on writing the book and kind of telling my story, just being um, a two sport professional athlete. Cause yeah. um, I played pro football, but I also played professional basketball as well. After that uh, in the, in the, in this, what was it? The ABA. And I went over to China and played in the tournament. Oh, so wow. uh, I have a book in me. Uh, some of my passions, I really, you know, love spending time with my family who are young. I have a three-year-old as of two days ago, an uh, eight-year-old, and a 13-year-old. Oh, you are busy. So, yeah, there's there's a lot going on. So who knows where – they're all amazing kids. I uh, love them very much. So who knows what they have in store that, you know, will entail – involve me as their, their dad. Uh, my wife is, is lovely. She has a lot of ventures that she works on. and. Is, is very involved in, you know, making sure our kids are good and making sure our family's straight. So, uh, you know, having that support is really incredible. Cool. But, yeah, definitely I see a book. Oh, we uh, would love to hear about a book from you. But Walter, uh, before we leave, I know you're coming back for a deep dive segment. I have one last question. Which league is better, the Canadian Football League, Go Canada, or the NFL? Uh, better in terms of what? In terms of pay, I would say the NFL. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we can't uh, argue on that one. Which one did uh, you have a better experience in, and where did you play? Uh, so I uh, actually had a better playing experience in Canada. Because, because Canadians NFL, are so nice. I was, on the, uh, I, was on, I was on the practice squad. So on the practice squad, you're kind of like helping the team get ready for their opponents, right? You're still yep. on the roster, you're on the team, but you're not playing in the games. And so when I was in Canada, I actually started uh, for the British Columbia Lions. Oh, BC Lions. BC Lions. And uh, man, that was a real great experience, uh, being able to live in Canada and to play football up there and experience the culture in Canada. Um, and my, my wife was with me and my daughter at the time, she was just a baby. So she doesn't remember, but it was really cool. I enjoyed Canada. Um, it's a beautiful country. The oh, BC is gorgeous. It's amazing. Um, you know, the, the ability to go up to, you know, Snowcap Mountains and Whistler and then come down to the city in downtown Vancouver and have an urban experience, but then also to be able to go to the beach. And then, you know, you could take the trolley out. To yeah, Victoria it's a really, Island. really unique just, province. So I'm glad. Yeah. I'm born and raised in Toronto, so I'm a diehard Argonauts fan, but love the CFL. Loved having you on the podcast today. Walter, thank you so much for coming on the Money Moves podcast. Can you let our audience know where they can reach you on social media? Yes. Tony, thanks so much for having me. Uh, I am Walter Stith on all platforms. So you can find me on social media, Google search will get you to my website, but it's Walter Stith, S-T-I-T-H. 
All right, money movers, that's all the time we have for today, but make sure to follow Walter on all his social media handles. And if we helped you make your money move, please make sure to let us know by sending us a like, sharing the knowledge on your social media, and or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to tune in Monday through Friday and subscribe to the Money Moves podcast powered by Greenwood so that you too can have the keys to financial freedom you so rightly deserve. Thank you so much for tuning in, Money Moves audience. If you want more or a recap of this episode, please go to thebankgreenwood.com and check out the Money Moves podcast blog. Money Moves is an iHeartRadio podcast powered by Greenwood, executive produced by Sunwise Media Inc. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare it's brand new season two i'm marissa thalberg and i'm stephen wolf and we're excited to be back having bigger bolder and always real conversations Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.